Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to St. Louis Cardinals heaven. We are playing general manager with the St. Louis Cardinals. And on the back half of this episode, we have an interview with closer Ryan Helsley. This is going to be a banger for all the people in St. Louis. Welcome to the Just Baseball Show. It is Friday, December 16th. We got the gang together. That's Jack. That's Aram. And I'm Peter. Guys, welcome. We were looking at the St. Louis Cardinals roster a little bit earlier and we don't have to do a lot but we do have to address the pitching staff and i'd like to add a couple more bullpen arms to assist ryan helsley in his amazing season when he had a one two five era 19 saves in 64 innings very excited to get that interview but just as excited to start middling around with the st louis cardinals jack how are you you're staring at me yeah i'm good uh i i am doing well i'm trying to figure out like who we can trade for and i'm looking at all these roster resources and i'm like hmm maybe tampa has some depth that they can trade for but then i remember that shane boz is out for the entire season and like it, it's hard to locate a starting pitcher that you can trade for um so i, I think in order to get better they're gonna have to spend a little bit so i'm thinking about who i want to open the checkbook for an yeah. arm It's good that you're here because we are going to trade all of your team's pitchers over to the St. Louis Cardinals. Are you ready? Yeah. Well, I was actually going to say my first move is, is DFA Ryan Helsley. Um, (laughs) kind enough to come on the show. I'm out of here. You guys are doing the interview. So, uh, I'll DFA him and then you guys can break the news in that interview (laughs) and we'll let him know. It's it's, sorry. One, two, five ERA. Just, just, just didn't cut it. One Oh three touch one Oh four. And maybe, maybe we'll bring you back. Right. So let's get into it. I want to start um, with a little bit of the locks, because what we usually do is we go through the team, especially on offense, and look at the guys who are definitely playing last year. But the Cardinals won the division. They lost in the playoffs, but they turned in a really good season, and they are the easily prohibitive favorites to win this division again. So we just need to make a couple of moves. The offense was electric last year. They finished fifth in team OPS as a team, 10th in batting average. The starting pitching left a little bit to be desired. They finished 16th in ERA as a staff. And then the bullpen led by Ryan Helsley and others is still electric. They were 11th in team ERA in all of major league baseball. They have Jordan Walker. Hopefully could he debut next year? He is so freaking good. He's one of my favorite prospects in baseball. They have Mason Wynn coming up. They have Matthew Libertor who helped in their rotation last year a little bit. And of course, Nolan Gorman made his debut last year and impressed some, but 
the most interesting position, I think, on offense for the St. Louis Cardinals moving into next year is Tommy Edmond at shortstop. Will he play shortstop? I think he's going to. GM John Mosellock said he thinks Tommy Edmond is a very, very good shortstop. Not one very, two varies, which I think is very telling. And he is a really good shortstop, and he played well for them last year. Had a ton of war. They signed Wilson Contreras to a five-year deal. He's going to be the starting catcher. That was a deal that they needed to make. They're passing the torch from Yadier Molina over to Wilson Contreras. Paul Goldschmidt, MVP. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's playing first base. Nolan Arenado, almost MVP. He's probably going to play third. Brendan Donovan is probably going to play second base. He was a rookie last year who was electric, and he can play everywhere, but I think he's going to slot in to the second base position. Then you got Tyler O'Neill left. He's going to play left. Lars Newbar again, came onto the scene and was awesome, was near an 800 OPS. He's probably going to play right. Then you have Juan Yepes, who's probably going to DH. Dylan Carlson, who's probably going to play center. Are there any, what's the opposite of a lock? Are there any cakes? Question marks? Yeah, yeah sure. I guess gates, open doors. Are there are there any turnstiles that could be occupied and, and turned into a lock? Um, no notes. Perfect. No notes. That's my thing. And like, yes, we've talked about maybe upgrading it short and Tommy Edmond playing second and Donovan being that super utility guy. But John Mosellock saying that Tommy Edmond is a very, very good defensive shortstop or could be a very, very good defensive shortstop. Peter, you said it's very telling. Was it very telling? Or yeah, very, 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 very telling. telling. Because him saying that with two varies, like the second very tells me that they had zero interest in any of the four shortstops at any point. They're not doing that. I love Edmund at short. We know he is a platinum glove caliber second baseman, but he is a gold glove caliber shortstop, I do think. Uh, And Brendan Donovan, the guy needs to be playing every single day. He had a 400 OBP. How can you keep him out of the lineup? So I like it. And then, of course, like, you know, some question marks, I guess, are, are Yepes is the DH. He's a righty bat. You've got Gorman and Burleson waiting on the bench as lefty bats. Um, and then catcher. I, I love what you said about catcher because so much of the conversation pre-Wilson Contreras was, um, is Ivan Herrera the guy? And I think Aram and I both agreed no. I think you agreed no as well, Peter. And the tandem of Kisner and Herrera We didn't feel good about them as a platoon or a timeshare. I feel great about them as a backup plan to Wilson Contreras. Yeah. Arm, any thoughts on uh, any of the uh, question marks or as I like to call them? Yeah, no, honestly, what I was like, what what was kind of hitting me when you're going through this team is I was like, this team's naturally going to be better this year. Um, of course, adding Wilson Contreras is is going to be absolutely massive. And I don't I know that there's there's a void that we can't you know really put a numerical value on in terms of of not having Yadier Molina behind the dish. But uh, I, I can promise you what what Contreras will do offensively compared to what Yadi did or did not do offensively will will help make up for that and just being you know available and healthy and and ready to go and you know young spring chicken compared to Yadi Molina but how about the fact that Tyler O'Neill didn't play all last year basically and you know he's going to be healthy and ready to go and you know was trending towards potentially being able to play in the second round or the next round of the playoffs if you know they were able to advance obviously they didn't Lars Newbar I feel like is you know really showed what he is on the cusp of, which is being a very impactful bat and a well-rounded player. I think he's going to make a leap next year. The big question is Carlson. And and that's the interesting thing is I never thought that we would be saying, you know, where does Carlson fit in here? He's 
the most true center fielder and he's a great glove out there, but I, I almost feel like they are starting. The Cardinals are starting to wonder if it's ever going to happen with Dylan Carlson. I, I think there's still reason to be patient. He just turned 24 years old. He's extremely talented. He's a switch hitter. He's got speed. He's a good defender uh, makeups off the charts for, by all accounts, but that's a position where you could probably upgrade a little bit. And, and I don't know, you know, if, if that's, really going to be something that we can do in this in this episode but I do think that's something that as the season goes on should be something to monitor the other thing that kind of drives me nuts is that they're gonna have guys like Burleson and Gorman you know not playing a ton potentially like that blows my mind because you know I think Burleson should be a regular and I think he's a really good player and was one of the best hitters in the minor leagues over the last couple of years and you know Nolan Gorman's one of the most highly touted prospects in baseball over the last couple of years even though I'm not the biggest fan still probably needs to be getting some pretty consistent at bats. You could probably justify that DH platoon with Yepes, but I just hate Burleson on the bench and I'd almost rather trade him uh, before I, I, I keep this guy, someone that talented on the bench. But here, here's my thing though. We know that Tyler O'Neill has also been a guy who's dealt with an injury here or there. He's not the most consistent, at least on the field. Um, and he did kind of have a down year last year. And you hope that Lars Newbar can replicate his incredible second half especially with the Cardinals overall he was great in the entire year but that second half is I think what Cardinals fans and the Cardinals front office is really excited about for him to build on but you never know and then with Juan Yepes as well is is he a guy who just kind of sticks in against lefties I feel like Burleson is getting going to get a lot of run whether it be as the fourth outfielder DH type I don't think they should let him go I think he's going to be a valuable contributor like we've talked about depth on this podcast you know with a ton of teams how these bench guys how you know many innings are they going to log but with this team especially even though it seems so straightforward I do feel like Burleson is going to play I also want to touch on Dylan Carlson I'm a Dylan Carlson guy I think he's amazing in center field, even if he doesn't hit. And he's a switch hitter, adds some versatility. Like, I, I'm a big Dylan Carlson fan. Jack, you don't have to raise your hand. Just talk. Uh, counterpoint to Dylan Carlson. The only guy with fewer homers and a lower slug in 2022 in the starting lineup for the St. Louis Cardinals was Brendan Donovan, and he was 80 points better in the OBP department. So if there is one cold sore on the, the mouth that is the St. Louis Cardinals, I do think that it's Dylan Carlson. I guess that could be fair, but I believe that he's going to bounce back. I feel like Arm, you're you're, you're a Dylan Carlson believer. I am. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's one of those things where I'm getting concerned about like what the ceiling is. Cause I, you know, there used to be that, that 2020 hope. And, and I think what we're seeing now is a guy that doesn't have the impact that we, we, we thought he, he could develop into. Um, but that said, like for this team, the way they are top to bottom if, if your nine hitter is Dylan Carlson, who's going to put that on ball and play great defense and switch it like, okay, if he's, if he's not slugging, that's fine. And, and, you know, that's, I think what we have to kind of accept what he is there with the rest of this team, the way this team shakes out, I'm cool with that. I like it. I'm still a fan of his, and I think he's still going to get better and better offensively. My question is this, and I agree with the depth thing, because that's exactly what we just talked about in the twins episode, but we also see the Cardinals that are you know, trying to fast track, Jordan Walker to the big leagues and and trying to get him reps in the outfield. And when Jordan Walker gets up there at some point next year, I, I think he's going to force his way up relatively early, maybe by early summer, June, July. 
once that happens, he better be getting at bats. If Jordan Walker is in the big leagues, he better be playing. And I know that's that's a bridge that we'll cross when we get there, but it's just very fascinating seeing the depth here. And then you tie that in with Ken Rosenthal's piece in the athletic of, you know, what the trade negotiations were kind of looking like between the A's and the Cardinals, which we touched on a couple episodes ago. Uh, I think we actually talked about on the call up with Jack. And what's interesting is the Cardinals were trying to get the A's to pick from a couple of four guys. And the A's wanted either Newt Bar or Brendan Donovan as the headliner. The Cardinals were like, eh, pick from Burleson, Graceffo, you know, and those kind of next tier guys that are less proven. Gorman was in that group and Yepes was in that group. So I think they're willing to clear that cluster for the right guy. Sean Murphy was the right guy. And the exact group was Carlson, Gorman, Burleson, and Yepes. They said, pick two of those guys. The A's weren't interested in doing that. They wanted new bar Donovan, according to Ken Rosenthal. So I'm willing to, you know, workshop and maybe we can try and package two of those guys. If it makes sense. Cause you're trimming the fat and you got Jordan Walker plugging in soon. But again, yeah, we're not just going to make that trade just to make it because, like Peter said, the depth is still really important. Jack, do you think the A's did a good job instead of those Cardinals guys? No, um, but Tom and I talked about it on the call up. You know, I think the market was a little bit thinner than what was let on. Right, Ken Rosenthal was was writing about that. He was he was talking about you know maybe the lack of suitors for Sean Murphy. So I think that they did okay like i don't think it was oh my god eat this fat l oakland you suck you sons of bitches i don't think it was that at all but uh i i do think that it was pretty light i've got a name that i think is the right guy much like sean murphy to improve the starting rotation but peter you want to guide us through the starting rotation first let's talk starting rotation so right now we got big old wayno 41 years old, coming back for another year after he threw 191 innings at a 371 ERA. Pencil him in. He's giving you another 180 at a 380 ERA. Pencil that in. You got Miles Michaelis, who is crafty and is a good pitcher, but he's getting up there in age a little bit. This will be his last year before he is a free agent. Um, so he could be in for a good year. He had a great year last year through over 200 innings. At That's a three- the craziest 202 yeah. innings, <laughs> 202 innings at a three, two, nine ERA Jordan Montgomery. They traded with the Yankees for Harrison Bader at the deadline. And Montgomery was as stellar as humanly possible in the early goings with the Cardinals, but then had a couple of rough starts, but overall he's a very solid lefty in their rotation. Jack Flaherty is the question mark when Jack Flaherty is Jack Flaherty. He's one of the better pitchers in that division. When Jack Flaherty, his command is off, and he what he gave them last year, a 4-2-5 ERA in just 36 innings, he's a big question mark. What are you going to get from him? At the top line, it's great. At the bottom, not so much. Then you have Steven Matz. Again, another question mark. He only threw 48 innings last year. I was very adamant about it. I didn't understand this deal when they first signed him to a four-year deal. Now, the money wasn't that big, especially when you see what guys are getting paid now. Now that deal looks a little bit better. But at the same time, what is he going to give you? Because he didn't give you any production last year. What is he going to give you this year? So that's the rotation. Wayno, Michaelis, Montgomery, Those are your three that I think are definite mainstays in the rotation. Then you have Flaherty, who you never know, and Steven Matz. Again, you never know. Then you also have Dakota Hudson, who, in the nicest way possible, 
he is a pitcher. Yeah. Yep. Long reliever. A... I, I think the, the roster resource has LR next to him for long reliever. Um, I think roster resources. I think he, man. I think roster resources being a little bit nice. Um, <laughs> and then you have Andre Pallante who I do really like, but I think they're mostly going to use him in the bullpen. I think that's where he's at his best, but he can make starts for you. I'd much rather see Pallante than Dakota Hudson. That is exactly what I want. Give me Pallante over Dakota Hudson, but Dakota Hudson is still technically a pitcher, but they need to add to this rotation. And I think they need at least two guys, not at least they should get two guys. If they get one and they have a combination of whoever works Flaherty or Mats going into next year, I like the rotation overall, but they could use an ace. We have a lot of names that we could discuss. Jack, I'll go to you for your first. I've got the right guy that you package okay. two of them. And, and you got to tell me what to add to Yepes and Gorman in order to take Tyler Glass now from Tampa Bay. Mm. Uh-huh. Let's talk about it. Let's do it, Aram, because the Tampa Bay Rays, they floated his name. He is. I predict him in my article that he was going to the Los Angeles Dodgers. I don't think that's going to happen after they made the huge signing of Noah Syndergaard, who we know is going to be electric for them next year. And they got Shelby Miller. So that's a pitcher. So Glasnow is making five and a half this year, and he signed like a one-year extension. It is age 30 season in 2024. He makes 25. So this is a two-year commitment to Tyler Glasnow, who we know when healthy uh, is one of the most electric starting pitchers in baseball. He is overpowering, but he logged what? including the postseason, like 15 innings last year at the major league level. He looks good. He looked good in that time. Um, So this is a guy, I I don't necessarily know if you're buying low on him, but you're not buying as high as you would have uh, midway through the 2021 season. So I do feel good about the price being attainable for St. Louis. Um, And I do feel good about glass now, because even though the starting rotation is very right-handed. They lack a guy that has eye-popping stuff. All the eye-popping stuff is in the bullpen. So if you can offer a different look in the starting rotation, I think that's a big add. Aram, before, I I just want to kind of tee you up with my daughter's proposal because you and I I spoke about it. We talked about Gavin Stone going over from the daughters, who's one of their top pitching prospects and could even contribute for them next year. The dude's awesome. Also, Andy Pajes, outfielder, cannon of an arm and just a really well-rounded baseball player. So those two are some of the Dodgers' best prospects, and then we also added another pitching prospect. So when you hear that deal, the price for Glassdown should be decently high, even though that contract is backloaded. Like we said, $5 million this year, $25 million the next. Now, in this market, that's like what Taiwan Walker is almost making. Yeah, like, I mean, that's where we're years, at. $30 million, so, I'm, I'm in, you know, on Tyler Glass now. That's a no-brainer. So what do you think a deal could look like for him? If you are stepping in as the Cardinals GM, John Mosellock, see ya. It's Arm Layton show. Yeah. What would you be calling up the Rays and asking for? You know, I. so here's the thing is I'm trying to think, you know, what 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 the Rays would, would potentially want to. I, I think Nolan Gorman, realistically, even even just on the like, putting the, the prospect analysis aside, I think he's the one guy that is the most expendable for them because him, him or Burleson, right? But obviously Burleson's not going to, you're not going to get you glass now. I, I think Gorman's going to be prioritized uh, by the Rays in this one with, with how hard he hits the baseball and how much they like guys similar to Gorman's profile. Um, 
given the the limited defensive versatility, I I, I see Gorman as as the the first guy I'm looking to move here. So I think Gorman, and then I I'd rather not trade Yepes. I'm trying to conceptualize what the value is of a of a stud frontline pitcher that you know is backloaded, coming off an injury, but showed really well at the end of the year. Do you want me to go if to the trade machine? Yepes, Gorman, and Herrera. <laughs> is that fair? Holy I don't God. know if that's enough. I think it is. I'm going to go to the what trade really machine to like make sure Juan it is. Yepes. Like, I really, really, I think Juan Yepes is going to be really good. For no, Juan. Jack, screw the screw the trade machine. No, I want to do it. I want to go to it, and I want to see <laughs> all right, the value. All right. you, you do that. I'll talk with Arm about Mason Wynn. I'm kidding. I'm not <laughs> going to the trade machine. Could Mason Wynn be involved in a deal like this? I don't want him to. I don't. I don't think they'd do it. Like if I'm John Mosellock, like I, I don't think I'm moving him because. It, but Tommy Edmond is very, very good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he's also an elite second baseman. Yeah, but he's very, yeah. very good shortstop. He, he is very, very good. He doesn't throw 103 across the diamond, and he doesn't uh, run. He's not a 70 runner, and uh, I don't even think he he really is has the near the upside of of what Mason Wynn can be, who's you know could be a budding superstar, and I, I really think could be a dynamic dynamic player and they they, i think if if they wanted to if they were willing to trade those guys like i think they would have been gone by now especially mason win after after last year i really think if they can't trade from this group of four that they were trying to, to get sean murphy with like they're not making another move uh, aside from a few other you know prospects being thrown in herrera i think is just screams raised to me too because he <laughs> is such a tough case he hits the ball so hard. His exit velos are really impressive. His max exit velos are impressive, but he's inconsistent. He hasn't really been able to, to find it. Um, and, and they seem to do a good job of picking up these catchers and, and kind of helping you know develop them and maximize them. Um, it might not be enough, but I I, I think it, I think it's pretty close. I don't know who's going to beat Gorman, Yepes, and Herrera for you know two years of Tower Glass now with the second year being you know. Not a cheap, controllable year. It's you know close to market value year. What if we did instead of Herrera, we put in a solid pitching prospect from the Cardinals? Because you'd assume that the Rays would want a, a pitcher in return if they're giving up Glass and they're getting but, two bats. But they're already jammed up a little bit. That that's why I think Glass now is the right choice here because they already have Taj Bradley who has pitched half a season in AAA. Like Bradley is absolutely knocking on the door and the opening day starting Glass. rotation, as we see right now, is McClanahan, Glassnow, Rasmussen, Eflin, who they just signed to a three-year deal, Jeffrey Springs. Oh, by the way, Shane Boz is out this year. He's recovering from Tommy John, but he's back to break camp in 24. Like there's a lot of starting pitching here that Tampa has. I don't think they need more starting pitching. But you always need more starting pitching. Like Boz isn't going to be there next year. And like you hope Taj Bradley is great. You even think, is Zach Eflin going to be a starter for them? With Philly, he was more of a reliever. Like, will he slot into the rotation? I think you can never have too much pitching. And if you're giving up a pitcher and you're getting three bats, I just think that they'd want a pitcher in this deal. That's why more I just want to talk about who of this, like, could Liberator be in this deal? Is that someone who potentially, instead of Herrera... To, why would they want him back? Yeah, they don't want him Good back. Good point. Okay. I'm just talking here. All we're doing is talking. We're talking. Yeah. 
not, Liber- well, not Libertor. Tampa bad. also has Patino and Josh Fleming. And obviously Patino is like ship may be close to sailed on Patino, but that's just another guy with starting experience. Josh Fleming, another guy with starting experience. We know Tampa loves being unorthodox. Why would they want five normal ass starters when their whole thing since Joe Madden was, I don't want five normal ass starters. You know what I mean? But they have Harold Ramirez at, at DH. Why would they want Yepes? Because Yepes is better. Uh, is Yepes better? No, but yep. what I'm saying is like they are a good team and they have a lot of they have a lot of holes plugged already by big league guys. Like they are probably going to make the playoffs again. If they're going to offload Glass now, I just wanted to talk about some potential starting pitchers that could be involved in the deal in the Cardinals system, maybe to sweeten the deal over Ivan Herrera. Yeah, I mean, Tinkhans is untouchable. Uh Graceffo is a guy that that they didn't really want to move, and that was a guy that that Oakland wanted. And um Graceffo's kind of close to to make you know making a big league debut, I think, and probably somebody that they don't really want to trade because that's one of the few arms that the Cardinals have, period, that are that are close to, you know, a big league debut, aside from Libertor, who was brutal last year. So I, I think I think that the Rays just want to maximize value here. And if you can get a, a catcher who has the potential to be an everyday guy for you, if if you're patient, like the problem for the Cardinals is is they didn't have time to, to for Ivan Herrera to work through whatever he needs to work through to become an everyday catcher. But the guy is still young. He's extremely talented and the Rays can be a little bit more patient there. So I'd rather have the upside catcher uh, when their system's kind of kind of thin in that regard. Then you know, just taking an arm just to take an arm, uh, which yeah. you know is probably what they'd be doing out of this Cardinals system that's thin on pitching for sure. Okay, the only you oh, yeah, go ahead, Jack Herrera, Gorman, Yepes, and Pete Hansen, who I know Peter likes because they drafted a, a couple guy. like McGree. That's what I was saying here. Cooper Jerpy yeah. is sitting here, like maybe out of Pete Hansen, right. I wouldn't mind that at all. I think that gets the deal across. And I think that sweetens it a little bit for Rays fans who are hearing, we're trading Glass now for who? And then they they like get that. a good college pitcher. I, yeah. I'm a Pete Hansen guy. I'm a right. Jerpy I guy. Feel like it's I like just these guys. Pick generic college right-hander, right? Not Jerpy. You're not touching Jerpy, but yeah, pick your generic college Jerpy. right-hander. All right. Well, then. Petey's they, a lefty. Oh, the shit. Rays... All right. Generic <laughs> college star. Yeah. The, the Rays need to send somebody else back then. I, I need I need one more one more piece then. Wow. Okay. What if we did Pete Hansen and... out? Can you get it done? No, no, no. I just I need a I need a small piece. I need a small piece. Small piece. A little, a little reliever, maybe a, a a lower level prospect, just something. What about? I like it. Hmm. Does someone like a uh, Brock Jones feels like a cardinal? <laughs> I I don't think they would move Brock. But doesn't he feel like a cardinal? He does kind of sound like he looks like a card. Hey, there's yeah, no more room for Greg Jones. How about Greg Jones? Greg Jones, another freak athlete shortstop. Um, yes, just send me Austin Shenton, and we'll call it a, we'll call it a day. I like him. I don't know who that is. <laughs> I don't know who that is. All right, all right. We made the trade. We okay. just traded for Tyler Glass now. All right, and the trade is Jack. Recap. Herrera, Yepes, Gorman, and Pete Hansen for Tyler Glasnow and Austin Shenton. Done. That's Done. a trade. That's a trade. So now in the rotation, we didn't sign Rodon. We traded from what we got. But now we just gave up Gorman. We gave up Yepes. 
Yeah. And we yeah. got Tyler Glasso. So now the rotation looks like Glass now, Wayno, Michaelis, Montgomery, and then whoever Mats makes it Flaherty. between Flaherty or Mats. But now we probably have to add um who do we get now at potentially a DH? I assume you could just move Burleson into the DH role. So that doesn't we don't really need to do anything there. But now like we probably right-handed bat now that Yepes is gone. I have a perfect infielder, veteran, bat, won't last long, but could give you an added veteran boost off the bench. His name is Elvis Andrews. He had a three and a half war last year, and he's not going to be that expensive. Right-handed bat, give you some infield depth, has played second base before. Give me Elvis Andrews. Why not us, Arm? Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, Andrews, like, obviously wants to to start but who's who's starting elvis andrews so um does he want to win what do you, yeah does he want to win what do you think jack white Sox aficionado who saw the, the greatness of elvis andrews last year in the second half does he um, want to win no like is he taking a bench role with the cardinals because I, I i do like that pickup i th- I do like where peter's at on that one yeah i don't know um i i don't know like is there a starting shortstop job available for Elvis Andrews somewhere? That's what I'm thinking. Like, no, right? Like Arizona Diamondbacks. <laughs> yeah, that job's yeah. available. So that job if Arizona available. comes calling and say, hey, you can start for a really long, young team, you do it. But if his only options are to serve as a backup, go somewhere that you can try and win a ring, right? Yeah. So I like the fit in St. Louis. I was thinking uh, different terms. I was thinking immobile, like serve the Pujols rule. I was thinking J.D. Martinez. I was also thinking Trey Mancini, who I think hit himself Mm. out of a starting job in Houston. Both of those guys seem like Cardinals. I think Mancini feels like a Cardinal. Mancini does. And Mancini at least gives you the ability to – you know, play first base when when Goldie has a day off, which is obviously rare. He feels in the DH can you can throw him in corner outfits. So he has a little bit of versatility there. Um, kind of similar to Yepes in that regard. Like not good anywhere, but can play multiple spots. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That and Mancini's more likely to accept that role, right? Like I'm I'm expecting a JD Martinez to probably take a a one-year deal and want yeah. to play every day and show He's like, that like, I need 550 was... plate appearances. Yeah. Yeah. Cause last year I was hurt and, and that was bullshit. Like I'm, I'm going to be good to go. And I, I, I do think JD's going to bounce back in a big way. Mancini that, that makes sense. And you know, he'll still get a lot of plate appearances righty to split time with Burleson at the DH spot. Burleson yeah. can, you know, fill in at other spots as well. Yeah. Um, I like that. I like that. Mancini's also just certified good dude. By the way, just got married too. Congratulations to him. I think he's honeymooning as we speak. And Sarah um, Perlman. Yeah, Sarah Perlman, uh, friend from South Florida. Very, very cool. Uh, very excited for them. That's super, super awesome. Um, but I assume he's going to finally like decide to start figuring out where they want to live. Um, I think they're going to probably have that conversation after the honeymoon. And look, playing for the St. Louis Cardinals is 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 a great opportunity. And I've talked to so many you know, former big leaguers or whatever, like Jeff Conan always talks about like, oh, that's one team I would have loved to have, you know, been able to experience or play for. And I think Mantini, that would be a perfect fit, uh, you know, okay. what he brings to the table. I love it. We're Elvis Andrews, you are an Arizona Diamondback. Sorry. We, <laughs> we just what signed into w- the D-backs and we're not <laughs> even doing the D-backs episode. Okay. So we just signed Trey Mancini. How many years do we have to give him? Two? One? Two. We'll give him two. a two-year deal versus worth. One in a mutual. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
We're, we, uh, he he we'll really him, hurt himself with that second half. We'll give him we'll give him twenty six million dollars over two, and we'll space it out. We'll be very strategic. We'll screw yeah, him I'll, over. I'll give him one and a player for twenty. All right, screw it. We just side Trey Mancini. That Not sure the for terms. Trey Mancini. Yeah, ten annually. Player option for ten. Yeah, in this right. market, he's worth like a five year deal for a hundred. <laughs> what right, did uh? What did Hanniger get? Three for forty-three. Three for forty-three. Three for forty-five or forty-three. Yeah, something like that. So two for two for twenty. So yeah, like two one for, 20. for one for ten or twelve in a player option. I'm in on that. Yeah, two, two for twenty-two. He's earned it. Okay, he's earned okay. it. All right. Okay. So we just signed Trey Mancini. Let me float another name. We still need an infielder, right? Right. Uh, uh, do like we? we gave up Gorman. Who's playing in the middle infield besides Edmund and Donovan on this team? DeYoung. Paul DeYoung still exists, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he does exist. Paul All right. Like I guess that, if that's your bench infielder, like. No, he's fine. That's fine. What I, what I will say is I was also going to float Josh Harrison's name out there. Maybe. Also Red Sox are in on him, though. They, they're going to make sure they lock that guy up. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. All right. I, I like DeYoung as, as like in this role, DeYoung's awesome, right? Good defender. He. he is a powerful bat off the bench. Like when I have a guy coming off the bench, I either want them to be somebody that's going to grind an AB or be able to leave the yard with one swing. Like no in between. Uh, yeah. DeYoung's obviously the latter. Uh, I, I like him off the bench. I think that's fine. And then they've, they've got some internal, like, you know, quadruple A guys that I think could come up and, you know, fill out that bench. Though they did lose Evan Mendoza. Tough, tough blow on the quadruple A. Yeah. Uh, hey, shout out Diamond Dogs people. NFTs. Yeah. Yeah. Diamond Dogs NFT. Shout out that. Um, yeah. I think we're pretty good, right? I think I think we're covered there. I think so. I think we are too. So now the starting lineup looks like Edmund at short, Wilson at catcher, Goldie at first, Arenado at third, Donovan at second, Tyler O'Neill on left, Newt Barr in right. We're gonna put Trey Mancini um slash Burleson. Slash Burleson at DH, and we're going with Dylan Carlson in center on the bench. You have Herrera, you got Kisner, you got DeYoung. Herrera's uh, gone. See what? Oh, yeah. Herrera's gone. Herrera's gone. Peace. Kisner, your time to shine and your 300 slug. Um, and we have, um, yeah, DeYoung. Who else is on the bench right now? It's either Burleson or Trey Mancini, kind of whoever. Yeah. Whoever's playing. Little righty lefty platoon there. In the rotation, Glasnow, Wayno, Michaelis, Montgomery. And I don't think we need to add another starter. I think. I think you good. just give it to Flaherty or Matt, see whoever's healthy. Then you could put Polanti, you could put Dakota Hudson in there. That's the what? thing too. It's like you're you're getting more than thirty. I don't know how many innings you're getting from Jack Flaherty, but you're getting more than thirty-six. Or Libby. You know? Or so. Libby or Connor Thomas, who was added yep. at 40 yeah. man, and I like Connor Thomas. So like there are They're options okay. six and seven in the starting rotation. Mm-hmm. And you okay. got a good four there. Um yeah. Then in the bullpen, Aram, you DFA'd Helsley. I would recommend we did not do that because he I don't think we name. DFA Helsley. I, 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 I don't I, think I, I almost lost my job when I did that, so uh, I'll, I'll take it back. Um, All right, and we're going to speak with Helsley in a couple of minutes. Here we also have Giovanni Gallegos. Again, we have Planty. We have Jordan Hicks. We have Hennessy Cabrera. We have Chris Stratton, Wilking Rodriguez, and then of course you have Dakota yeah, Hudson. Yeah. So I'm putting I'd... my foot down. Before we go any further, I want to sign Wilking Rodriguez to a five year deal right now. After nice. we just selected him in the Rule Five draft, so I want to give real quick the the, the spark note story on Wilking Rodriguez. He's last pitched in affiliated baseball in 2015, yeah. where he. 
I don't even, he's 32 years old. He last pitched in affiliated baseball in 2015, then has pitched the last seven seasons in the Mexican and Venezuelan leagues. Uh, in those leagues, it's just gotten better and better and better. And in the last year, he was a closer uh, in the Mexican league, I believe, running it up to 101 with a power curve in the mid 80s that was disgusting. Yankees caught wind, signed him in August. And he did not pitch an inning for them because I think he was trying to get, you know, either was shut down for the year or was trying to get back, whatever happened. Signs with the Yankees, doesn't pitch, eligible to be picked in the Rule 5 draft. And for when, whatever scouting that the Cardinals did from his time in the Mexican League, they saw enough to take him in the Rule 5. So this guy has still not pitched in affiliated baseball since 2015, and his first appearance back will be at the big league level, which is super cool. So sorry, I just, just had to tell that Wilking Rodriguez story. Very awesome for him. Another name that you didn't mention, another lefty, Zach Thompson, former first-round pick out of Kentucky, ah. had a 208 ERA in 34 and two-thirds innings, pretty much all out of the bullpen. He was a failed starter in the minor leagues. They just didn't really like him as a starting pitcher. They moved him to the bullpen, and he was like mid to high 90s with a fastball, and opponents hit like 110 against his curveball. So yep. that's another lefty. Him and Cabrera, you're good on lefty relievers. And in terms of righty relievers, Helsley, Gallegos, Palante, Hicks, Rodriguez, I don't think it gets much better. I think this is already one of the best bullpens in baseball. Yeah, I agree. Do we sign another lefty? I don't think you need one if you've got two of them. Yeah, I kind of agree. Um also, do you think they will bring back Alex Reyes? No. I don't think so. Doesn't I don't think like so it. either. I uh, Red gonna... Sox oh. DFA Jeter Downs. You guys see that? <laughs> no, I didn't. No see way. <laughs> that, that trade, that trade, man. Oh, man. Just a refresher. Mookie Betts was traded from the Boston Red Sox for Alex Verdugo, now DFA Jeter Downs, and catcher Connor Wong. Two left. Uh, um, one last depth piece, which is a really it was a funny troll um that I would ask Jack every single time we recorded the call up. Do you believe in Moises Gomez now? Uh, because Moises Gomez was pacing minor league baseball and home runs like all year and hit what was it, thirty-nine yeah. last season, struck out thirty-four percent of the time. Um, but could be a you know, platoon power bat off the bench too if somebody goes down or someone's hurt, put in a 60 games at triple a hit 16 home runs and a 128 wrc plus Jeez. so another guy that can fill in wow okay we got a team here we made the big trade for glass now are we gonna sign taylor rogers are we gonna sign a lefty reliever or we just say we're good we got mancini we got glass now we don't really have to do much else say screw it i would man. like one more lefty but there are some good bullpens with one lefty right i mean yeah but one we'd more, have to, we'd have to boot somebody. Like, what if Wilking doesn't end up debuting? <laughs> they don't have a choice. Yeah, I guess they don't have a choice. They got to pitch him. Um, I just would like one lefty. But, I mean, this bullpen is pretty set. I don't know who I'm kicking out. I like all the guys left. Yeah. I guess you could say Stratton, but you got to keep him in there. He's fine. He's a good, like, depth arm. Yeah. I and they that, also have that is what it is. Drew Ver Verhagen. Yeah, had hip he, surgery. He had hip surgery the same time I did. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you guys saw them together. All right. So this is the team again. Um, Edmund at short, Wilson at catcher, Goldie at first, Arenado at third, Donovan at second, O'Neill in left, Newt Barn right. The combination of Burleson and 
Mancini. Trey Mancini, who we just signed to a two-year deal, one with an option, whatever you want to call it. And then we have Dylan Carlson in center on the mound. It is Glass now, Wayno, Michaelis, Monty, and the combination of Flaherty and Mats. Then the bullpen, Helsley, Gallegos, Polanti, Hicks, Hennessy Cabrera, Chris Stratton, Wilking Rodriguez, and then you got Dakota Hudson doing whatever he needs to do to make a ball club. Gentlemen, this is a team. This is that a team win, that's that winning team the division. Win the World Series. That this team could win the World Series. If Glasnow is healthy, this team could win the World Series. Yes. Which Thank is what you blows to my us. mind. It's it's like, you know, I don't know if that moves on the table, but but that just they could upgrade their big league roster by trading some sort of, you know, combination of whatever we just put out there. Um, obviously, it didn't work for Sean Murphy, but that was because the A's want certain types of, of players and prospects and Muller. those guys didn't fit the bill for them. Yeah. But they could get impact dudes out there. So I, I hope they make another move. They talked Nolan Arenado into opting in on, you know, 28 million AAV, which actually turns into 24 million because the, the Rockies are paying the Cardinals to, you know, have an MVP candidate every single year. So and in, in uh, inflation probably puts dollars. that down to like 19, right? It puts it down to 24.8, yeah, plus inflation. So it's it's basically free. Yeah. Nolan Arenado is getting literally playing for free. Um, yeah, it's it's I, I I feel like they have to do something else. Like they promised him more than Wilson Contreras, right? They had to when John Mosellock flew out to California or wherever he met up with Arenado to to talk him into opting in. I feel like he had to promise him more than Wilson Contreras, even though that is a great sign. And for Cardinals fans. Let's say you don't trade for Glass now. There's still Pablo Lopez on the Marlins. There's still Trevor Rogers on the Marlins. Mm-hmm. You have a very, very shot. Wouldn't really consider it, but Zach Gallen is is a name and he is dominant, even though he was a former Cardinal. Merrill Kelly is also another a- name. There are guys out there that you could potentially make these deals for. And I'm not counting them out of the Carlos Rodon sweepstakes either. Mm-hmm. It just seems we got a report from Katie Wu, who covers the Cardinals for the Athletic, friend of the Just Baseball show. She said it's just a little bit unlikely, but doesn't mean they don't come in at the 11th hour and make a deal for Carlos Rodon. They are going to add on the pitching side, whether it be through a trade or whether it be through a free agent signing. The offense is pretty loaded. Trey Mancini could be that guy. There's a ton of names still left. The Cardinals, right now, if they do nothing, I'm still penciling them in as the NL Central winner. And if they do a bunch, they add a big-time starter, they add some more depth pieces in their offense, this team could win the World Series. Now let's talk with Ryan Helsley. We welcome on Ryan Helsley, closer for the St. Louis Cardinals, who is coming off one of the best seasons in Major League Baseball as a relief pitcher, dropping a one-two-five ERA with 19 saves. Ryan, welcome to the Just Baseball Show. How are you doing, my man? Thanks for having me, guys. Doing great. So um, how we met, how originally we got this thing going, Ryan was playing for the Santa Barbara Foresters and stayed at my good friend Dustin's house. So we've talked about on the podcast and I've told the story about playing poker with John Duplantier and Jalen Davis and how this guy, Ryan, would beat me every single time at the table, would bluff me. I would try and bluff. He'd call it. I got crushed. And I'm curious, is that where you got your confidence from? Was it back in that back room? Is that why you're such a good pitcher now? Was it because of me? I think it definitely started there. You know, it, it definitely helped escalate my poker playing career. You know, I've only gone up from there. And uh, that was honestly the first time I ever really played poker. So uh, those are some very fond memories. Dude, are you kidding me? That was the first time you played poker? Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, the, I remember when we bought in for like five bucks and one night I won like $20, you know, and I felt rich as could be, you know. And 
nowadays twenty dollars can barely, barely buy you a meal anymore. So <laughs> no. Can't get you guac at Chipotle, I don't think. Hey, Ryan, you yeah. grew up what, like in our east, 45 minutes east of Tulsa, Oklahoma, right? Like right in the Ozarks? Yeah, like southeast of there. It's probably like an hour fifteen, maybe max. So what I'm hearing is is pretty low population in in suburban Oklahoma or in rural Oklahoma. Obviously, you, you did a bunch of stuff growing up. You know you were a good basketball player. You know you uh, excelled in other sports, and you weren't necessarily a full-time pitcher from the jump. Like, we see a lot of 10-year-olds, you know, hop on the mound, and that's all they do year-round. But I, how did you become, like, this well-rounded of an athlete? Because, obviously, you've got to be a really good athlete to be able to pump 102-103. Yeah, you know, I think it helps that I grew up playing three sports most of my life. You know, I played football, basketball, and baseball. You know, baseball during the summer, football in the fall, and you know, basketball through the winter and a little bit into the spring and then baseball kick off again, you know. So I think that definitely helped. And also ran track when I got into high school a little bit. You know, like you said, I went to such a small school and lived in such a small area that you kind of had to play all sports, you know, which kind of benefited me. And, um, you know, I was part of pretty much every team we had. And, you know, and if I could do it all over again, I'd do it the same. But I remember uh, we were talking at the poker table that you didn't start as a pitcher, though. Like you were an infielder and you could hit. Like what prompted you to say, all right, I'm fully 100% getting invested in the mound. <laughs> it definitely wasn't me. I wanted to hit, you know, I wanted to hit homers. I didn't ever want to pitch. Um, <laughs> I went to college as a two-way guy is what they sold me on, you know. Um, and the spring rolls around my freshman year, like, hey, bud, you're, you're just going to pitch. You're not getting any of that. So and I had an okay freshman year, you know, for a young kid, first time really pitching. And then uh, after the freshman year playing summer balls, when it kind of really took off for me. So you're just a casual P.O.? Just a regular yeah. guy. <laughs> yep. Got it. Kind of worked out though. Yeah. <laughs> kind of ended up working out. Um, I have another question too. So you stayed local at Northeastern State, uh, which is a division two school, but you dominated. I guess what what prompted you to play for your local college instead of trying the D one route or leaving Oklahoma altogether? Yeah, you know, growing up playing multiple sports and being in such a lowly populated area, I think. I was kind of overlooked or not really seen, you know, for baseball scouts back then, you know, um, there wasn't all the technology nowadays where you can post track man or, you know, Twitter and stuff was just taken off. And I was in high school and Instagram, you know, kind of date myself a little bit, but, uh, um, I think for me, it was just kind of going about, you know, for me, it was going to school where I could get a degree for four years at the time. Cause at the time I wasn't throwing very hard. Yeah. And I had some JUCO offers, but like I said, I didn't want to deal with like transferring credits and, you know, possibly having to go to school for an extra year. Because at the time when I signed, I was thinking I was going to go to school for four years, you know, get a degree and just start a job, you know, like a like a normal person. When did it click for you that you didn't have to start a normal job and sit in a cubicle? I think when uh, I got invited to go play summer ball in California and they kind of sent me the roster of guys and, you know, what schools they went to, like Texas, Rice, you know, Arizona State, Kansas State. I think it was myself and two other guys. There's only D2 guys that are probably 40 guys, you know, on the summer team. And, um, you know, Bill Pintard, you know, took me on. Thankfully, you know, got me a lot of exposure. And, you know, just kind of went out there with the mindset of, um, you know, if I'm going to fail, I'm going to get beat, you know, like I'm going to attack these guys and just see how my stuff really plays to see if I can, you know, compete at this level. And um, I didn't dominate by any means, you know, I had, I had some success, but it definitely helped me having some success out there, kind of gave me that little confidence boost.
And I'm sure part of you felt like you were playing with house money too, right? It's like, hey, I'm this D2 kid. I'm going up against all these guys that, you know, had the golden ticket or are playing for the Texas Longhorns in front of however many thousand people on a given night for a midweek game. I That lack of maybe urgency, I, I'm sure you had urgency, but maybe that lack of stress situationally, how did that help you like all the way through the draft process? Yeah, for sure. You know, I just kind of went into it like the mindset if it happens, happens you know like not really putting any stress on myself and that fall my sophomore year you know there's five to ten scouts every day when I was throwing you know in the fall games and scrimmages we had and you know then spring rolled around and there's 10 to 20 at every game and you know my velo ticked up I was touching sevens most days and sitting probably 92 94 you know just you know at that level just throwing, I was throwing 95 percent fastballs just you know blowing it by guys and you know, nowadays is what they call it, like kind of had some good ride to it. So I was just, you know, just trusting my stuff, you know, it's kind of put in layman's terms. And now 92 to 94 for you is baby velo because you're now you're doing what wrong if you're 92 yeah. to 94. Yeah. yeah, it's a horrible day for Ryan Helsley if he's 92 to 94. So just going back to the pre-draft process, because I remember you saying um, that the Cardinals weren't even on your radar. Like you got picked in the fifth round and that the Cardinals picked you up. You got a call from your agent and he said, Cardinals want you. And of course, you said yes, because playing for the St. Louis Cardinals is awesome. But I'm curious, like, what was the pre-draft process like, not knowing where you were going to go? And I assume you probably had no idea what round you were going to go in? No, I mean, uh, so in the fall, I filled out probably 20 questionnaires for teams, you know, like all the little meetings and stuff they have for you and, you know, all the kind of background checks they do for their due diligence and stuff like that. And then spring rolled around. I kind of thought I would get picked because back then it was 40 rounds, you know. Um, and I was throwing fairly hard for a guy back then, especially at D two. Um, but I had a good season, and you know, noticed later on the uptick in scouts. You know, I remember one game was probably my last start or two of the season. There might have been thirty to forty scouts. You know, at this small town Division two game, and um, after the game, I remember talking to my financial advisor at the time, and he was like, "Hey, you're, like, you're doing something right here. You know, you got a lot of people back here." And, I was so blind to the fact that, you know, I wasn't really tuned in with how all the draft stuff worked. You know, I just thought, all right, cool. You know, I'm going to get drafted. You know, here we go. I'm going to get to play pro ball and um, finished the year strong throughout the uh, spring there. And, you know, after the spring was done, my agent told me, hey, scouts don't really know how to evaluate your stuff. You know, you're at a D2 school throwing 97. Like, yeah, you got great numbers, but you're also at a D2 school. So he's like, just hang with me. I really don't know what to tell you. And, um, I wasn't even really paying attention to my phone the day I got the phone call. I had a couple missed calls from him, and it was the fifth round, like you said. And he's like, hey, the Cardinals want you. You want to sign for this amount? I was like, yeah, let's do it. Dude, how are you not paying attention to your phone on draft day? Are you kidding me? <laughs> so nervous. Like, I got to do something else. I was outside watching, watching my Jeep, hand-washing it, you know, just trying to take my mind off of it. Kill the anxiety. Just aggressively washing, just like <laughs> crush the window with your hand. <laughs> That's probably like the one time you didn't have your phone on you for like a couple of years, right? It's like, no, I got to put my phone down. I can't deal with this at all. Yeah, I love exactly. That. Hey, you you kind of stopped at every place, right? You were in the Appy League in Johnson City the year that you were drafted, then Peoria, Palm Beach, Springfield. Uh, but I got to ask, you were in Memphis to end the 2017 season. How much time did you spend at the Bass Pro Shop Pyramid? Any? <laughs> a little bit uh, a couple of my buddies were a lot bigger time prospects than me so uh, they had a, a few gift cards to spend there and we'd go on there and buy some stuff and you know blow it out but that place is pretty cool for sure it's crazy favorite like 
and not favorite. What was your welcome to minor league baseball experience? Because everybody's got a welcome to minor league baseball moment. Probably like in our locker room in the happy league in 15, you know, you got guys coming from all over the world, you know, first time really being around Latin guys and hearing, you know, their language and them speaking Spanish so fluently like that. And then you got guys coming from LSU, you know, like these big time division one programs. And then we're in this kind of a dump of a place, you know, but for me, I thought it was kind of nice coming from where I came from and these D one guys are coming from these million dollar facilities and, you know, they don't know what to think about it. So that, that, that moment for me was kind of what, you know, triggered my, you know, welcome to pro ball. You got people from all over the world and now it's time to go. And obviously, you know, you've, you've always had the fastball, but, and we're going to talk about how it got faster and how you perfected that pitch. But I'm just curious because we've spoken to Jesus Zardo, Nestor Cortez Jr., Cal Quantrill. We've spoken to a lot of pitchers who they get pitches from either coaches or other pitchers that they come along with, you know, especially in an organization like the St. Louis Cardinals, hard to find a better coaching staff and then other amazing big leaguers to play with. Could you point to any pitchers or coaches that you grab things that you still use today back in the minor leagues? Yeah, so coming out of college, I really only had a fastball. Like, literally, I maybe threw two or three off-speed pitches a game. You know, one of the two reasons I really didn't need one, and I had no feel for spin in college. And then when my first spring training, I showed up, you know, and they're like, hey, if you want to make it anywhere in this game, you got to develop an off-speed pitch, you know. So Jason Isringhausen was a big influence for me. He uh, had the spike curveball and, you know, showed me the grip in spring and, ripped it all spring and, you know, carried it in my first season in 16 and had a lot of success with it and kind of went to the mindset of throwing it like a fastball, which I think helped me because I was so new to trying to spin the ball. You know, I was kind of behind where a lot of guys, you know, getting drafted in, you know, had really good spin and I was just way behind the eight ball. So I was playing catch up. And then a couple years later, um, Izzy kind of followed me and we had this thing called Cardinal Core, which is just kind of – I guess like school for you during the season, you know, how to kind of how to be a professional baseball player and how to go things about things right the way, right way. And um, he also threw a cutter, obviously. I don't know if you guys know much about Izzy, but I kind of took his pitch to curveball in and a cutter. And yeah. my slider, slider today that I throw is kind of a mixture of that pitch that he throws. So, yeah, it's hey, nasty. If my count is right, um, pre-2019, all but one outing in the minor leagues was as a starter. Like, you were a starter coming through the system. And then 2019, it was with like 17 appearances, 10 of which out of the bullpen. Um, you're not the first guy. You're certainly not the last to make the move to a relief role. And from the outside perspective, right, you see, oh, well, you can just empty the tank in one inning spurts. That's the deal. But I know that there's a little bit more to that, switching from being a starting pitcher to a reliever. How were you able to, like, change your body, go about how you improve physically, also, you know, what you do with your arsenal when you fully made that move from being a starting pitcher to a reliever? Yeah, you know, I, I think I held on to wanting to be a starter for my first three years. You know, I didn't really give that hope and thought up until, like, this season. So, um, for me, my, in 2019, I was more like the long relief guy. And, you know, there's all kinds of roles in the bullpen, so you kind of have to adjust. And, you know, that year I think it was just kind of like an audition for me to kind of see what I had. You know, I wasn't really pitching in many big game situations and just kind of showing my stuff, if you will, and, you know, actually pitched well to end the year and pitched well in the playoffs that year and had a lot of high hopes going into 20. And obviously it was COVID and just kind of a ride-off year for everybody. And then 21 was kind of injury-riddled, you know, battling a couple of injuries and just really grinding to stay healthy out there. And um, But – 
21 offseason going to 22 is super healthy. And, um, you know, just having Andrew Miller in our bullpen that I had there with me for three years was a huge key and a huge help for me. You know, he was one of the game's best bullpen pitchers for, you know, three to five years, however long he was, you know, and, you know, it was just when he came into the game, you know, the game was probably over and it was, it was done, you know, and, um, having him down there to pick his brain and, you know, kind of building routines and, you know, how many pitches you need to throw for you going to game and just like mindsets and the ways to think out there on the mound, you know, just from A to B, you know, all the way down to Z, he's got, you know, all kinds of things for you to, to do. And um, I think for me, he, he was one of the big reasons that I kind of had that leap. And moving into your rookie year, because I think it's, you know, it's an easy question. Let's say you put up a six ERA in your rookie year. Uh how are you going to improve? And that's all you're focusing on. But you were awesome in your rookie year in 2019. You put up a 295 ERA in 36 and two-thirds innings. What did you gather from that year and then want to move forward on? Because you said that you were moving from a starting pitcher to a bullpen guy. And then in your first real stint in a bullpen, you looked really good. Like, what was your mindset moving into year two? I think just being available every day you know the long relief guy you throw two or three innings and you're down for two or three days and it's almost kind of that starter mindset still um but being in the back end of the bullpen you know you got to be available three out of four days you know somehow you got to find a way because the team needs you to win and um just kind of finding ways how to stay healthy you know off the field too with nutrition and workouts and getting treatment um i think that's the big thing and it's kind of cliche, but honestly, sleep. If you're getting a lot of sleep, you know, that, that helps a lot too. And just staying on top of your recovery routines, um, I think was a big one. And, um, you know, for me, I think, you know, getting that tolerance built up because early in the year, it's kind of hard, you know, after spring training, you don't really throw back to back. So just kind of having that gradual increase of um, stress to your body um, really helped me a lot this year. I think Ollie, our manager, did a great job in magmatics as well, you know, especially coming off of two injuries. I think they did a wonderful job, and, um, you know, it was, it was a fun year. I know Peter's got another one for you, but you're the second guy that I've heard in the last couple of months emphasize how important sleep is, and the other is Verlander, right? Justin Verlander was talking about how important sleep is, and he's got a young daughter at home, and he was like, yeah, I'm sure my wife's pissed at me for how much I sleep, but it's really important for longevity. How important is sleep in a professional athlete's world? Yeah, it's super important. You know, it might be the most important thing over how you eat, you know. Um, I know for me personally, if if I sleep like six hours or less, I feel like I, I drink a whole 30-pack. You know, I feel so hungover. My body aches. I hurt, you know. I might as well have drank. I feel so bad if I don't get enough sleep. And during the season, you know, I'm shooting for at minimum like eight hours. Like I need eight hours, you know. But most days, especially on the road, if I'm not around my family, I'm probably getting close to 10, like nine or 10 for sure, no doubt, you know. And you know, when, when your job's to pitch and you show up to the field at 2 o'clock, you know, you kind of have that luxury to sleep in until 11 p.m. and go to sleep at 2 or 1.30, you know. So, um, for me, it's just really making sure, you know, I get that rest that I need. Yeah. All right. Time to talk velo. I yeah. can't wait for this. Okay. <laughs> so, just to set the stage a little bit, we're talking with Ryan Helsley. It's kind of like the same as talking about Tyree Kill about his speed or Justin Herbert about his throwing ability or Zach Levine about his jumping ability. This is Ryan Helsley who throws 103, 104 miles an hour routinely. And you've always kind of lived in the upper 90s. You said that you were 92 to 94, but then you were touching sevens. And then you averaged around 97.4 on the fastball around your first three years. Like you were around 97. But then last year, dude, you were 99.6. <laughs> you were averaging 99.6 miles an hour and touching 103. 
what the hell happened? How do you get there? What what prompted you to go from 97 to sitting 100, touching 103, 104? What the hell happened? You know, it's honestly just been very gradual. I think I've kind of been a late bloomer most of my life. You know, I, I went into high school at like five, six. You know, I thought I was going to be a run. And I was like, dude, I'm not going to play any sports. And then after my freshman year, I gained like six inches, you know, in like three months, just shot up. And I was like, okay, here we go. But back to the baseball, sorry. And uh, <laughs> uh, sophomore year, uh, I throw 97. I get drafted. My first outing in 15 was 98. 16 rolls around i end up hitting 100 in my first full season as a starter and i never really got over 100 in the minor leagues but was touching 100 you know 17 and 18 and then 19 in my debut i hit 102 a couple times and in 20 and 21 i think 20 my video was down quite a bit and then 21 i, I might have touched 100 a couple times and i think those two years was partly having some injuries, you know, not being able to use my body to its full potential. And, um, you know, last year, like you said, hitting 104.2, I think was the highest I hit. And I think it's just a combination of getting stronger and uh, more mobile and flexible. You know, I was, I was really tight coming up through the minor leagues, just kind of had no idea how to be a pitcher, you know. And I think it's just been the last five-plus years of growing in the off season and keeping that routine during the season to maintain my flexibility and improve, you know, and, you know, now with our training staff and stuff, I know, you know, what I need to do to be successful day in and day out. So I feel the best. And, you know, I think for me, it's just been a combination of, you know, getting stronger and maturing and uh, having that mobility. Yeah. Talk about getting stronger. I think in college you were listed at 190 and what are you weighing in now? 230? Yeah. 235 right now. Nice. Literally honest. Little Giannis, yeah. like it's going from 190 to 235 through 103. You ever been compared to Giannis dude. before? No, if I was about six inches taller, maybe. Hey, I, I'm curious because you know, so much of what we do is like we look at baseball reference, we look at fan graphs, things like that, pitcher list, and you know, we, we can talk about the numbers all day. I mean, it's shit what we do for a living, right? And with relievers, it's it's really hard to quantify success because with starters you know era way more telling than it is with reliever era but something that you know you can't deny is strikeout rate k's per nine you were like just under nine for the first three years of your career you jumped to over 13 this year and obviously a velo jump has something to do with it but there's got to be more to it what else was behind that jump in strikeout rate so early on in the minor leagues, I had like pretty good ride on my fastball, like carry to the life, you know, all those words. And uh, those three years, especially 2021, you know, I think I wasn't able to really finish my fastball, if that makes sense. Like my land leg knee is what bothered me for those two years. So I think, you know, subconsciously I was just kind of pulling off of the ball, you know, and not able to stay through it to the plate the whole way. And you know, this year I think having that extra carry on my fastball just helped everything play play way up. You know, and I think my slider got a little better too this year. It was just more consistent and was able to locate it more. And um, it also threw my curveball more this year too. And coming up through the minor leagues, that was a, a big pitch for me. And where the last three years, you know, I, I threw it, you know, very minimal. Do you, do you, yeah, you like kind of? Oh no, I was just gonna say you kind of ditched the changeup and the sinker, right? I've seen those pitches at least get registered on a baseball savant, and now they kind of seem like no more. Yeah, I, I threw the sinker last year just because my forcing was getting hit too much. And I was like, I got to throw something with movement, at least get some ground balls or something, you know, instead of just something straight and no life on it. And these guys are taking hacks on. And then um, 
changeup was actually probably one of my best off-speed pitches when I was a starter in the minor leagues. But, you know, coming out of the bullpen, you can't really throw four pitches. It's kind of hard to keep good feel for that, you know, throughout the year when you only throw three outs and, you know, 15 pitches max, hopefully, every day. So, um, but, yeah, that, that sinkers, hopefully I don't have to bring that one out again for a while. <laughs> You feel like that trust in like your land leg is, has improved your command too, because you mentioned you can finish your pitches. Now the, the command was great too. You went from over five walks per nine to less than three walks per nine. Yeah, I think so. Just help me be more consistent, you know, and just feel stronger and more stability on that front side. And, um, you know, when you're out there pitching and you're thinking about other things besides pitching, you're probably going to not do very well. And, you know, more times than not last year, just kind of hoping my knee held up and, trying to pitch through the pain more or less, you know, and um, just trying to grind through it. And, um, you know, I think last year just kind of going out there um, with no thoughts in my mind, you know, just to attack guys from pitch one is kind of how I approach it, you know, just challenge them. If, you know, they want to swing at the first pitch, then, you know, let's go. And then just attack guys in the middle of the zone is really how I approached it. Yeah. Talking about not a care in the world. You know, you got 103 in that arm, 104.2, and you got Yachty catching you. You got probably the best defense behind you, and you got Cardinals Nation rocking behind you, and you're running out to hell's bells. Is this? Do you have the best job in the world? I mean, really? I, mean, I think so. I mean, like you said, it doesn't get any better. You know, you're throwing to one of the greatest catchers of all time, and makes pitching as thoughtless as it could possibly be. You know, this guy's seen some of the best hitters over the last twenty years, and has caught you know thousands of innings and all kinds of accolades and, you know, whatever he puts down, you know, he's probably got a good reason for, you know, so it takes pretty much all the thinking out of it, you know, for us pitchers, we've been really spoiled there for the last four years and, um, you know, got gold glovers all over the field. You know, it doesn't get it any better in the big leagues. And um, yeah, our, our fans bring it, man. That, that intro is, is unbelievable um, with the lights off. I suggest you guys see it in person. It's really cool. I, if you got you tickets, ever... I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever, uh, First, I do want to ask about Hell's Bells, but first, do you, have you ever shaken off Yachty? Been like, no, Yachty or Molina, I'm going with what I think. So I have a really, really funny story about this. Um, I think it was the COVID year, and it might have been my first save opportunity. Uh, we were in Pittsburgh, and he wanted to go fastball in. Um, I think it was a one-two count. And I shook to a slider through it. I think it was a foul ball. So puts the signs down again, you know, wants the fastball in, I shake to a slider maybe it was a ball so you know he throws it back all right fastball in you know <laughs> i should oh another slider he calls time walks out to the mound grabs the rosin bag tosses it doesn't say a word to me walks back in just sits down and like gives me one of these you know so i'm, I'm like all right i gotta i gotta throw the best slider of my life right here like i gotta strike this dude out <laughs> Throw the worst one of my life. Somehow he fouled it off. So thankfully I get another pitch and I throw a fastball in and strike him out. And I was like, all right, I'll probably never shake him off again. So did you ever shake him off again? <laughs> Maybe like one other time, but literally I <laughs> did not do it very many times after that. Hey, you're learning from both sides of the battery, right? So you can obviously have these conversations with Yadier Molina and you're throwing to Yadier Molina, but you know, you and the rest of these guys in this bullpen, you've got the chance to talk to Adam Wainwright. You are a staff teammate of Adam Wainwright. How does that guy tick? What have you picked up from Wayno over the last couple of years? Man, just he's just a straight competitor. You know, he loves to compete. And, you know, he's the glue to that clubhouse and has been for, you know, 15 plus years, you know, him and Yachty. And, um, you know, he he's really kind of 
help this next wave of Cardinals pitchers, you know, just with the mindset of, you know, what it takes to be a St. Louis Cardinal and, you know, what it takes to win. You know, he's got two World Series and won multiple division titles. And, you know, he, he knows what it takes to kind of win and get to the biggest stage. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's an unbelievable guy, too. You know, he's a great family man. Um, I love Wayne to death. You know, he's – would talk to you guys just like I am right here. You know, he's a great person, a great human being. And, um, you know, I, I think that's something I'll always remember about him most besides his pitching stuff. Yeah. And, you know, you were there for um, – on the manager's side, Mike Schilt, and then Ollie Marmel had his first year, and you guys won 93 games, and you went to the playoffs, and you were a very good team. And it seemed like the clubhouse really took a liking to Ollie Marmel. How would – how do you view Marmel's first kind of year as the manager of the Cardinals? Yeah, I think it was great. You know, I think – Obviously, like you said, being his first year, he did exceptionally well and probably better than most people would have thought, you know. And um, But he did, he did great. You know, handled the bullpen great, handled our starters great, you know, threw out a great lineup every night. And, um, you know, had had great energy every day too. You know, he's a young guy. And, you know, I think he was younger than like six of our dudes last year, you know. So I feel like it's got to be weird for him. I know it would be weird for me if I had players older than me. But, you know, he made it work, obviously, and it was fun. And, um, we had a great coaching staff, you know, and I'm excited for him to go in his second year and, um, you know, get my holiday too. So it should be another fun year. Damn right. Awesome. Hey, I know we both have bullpen questions for you. Um, you have so many guys in that pen with otherworldly stuff, right? Gallegos and his slider, Hennessis and that curveball. You know, I know uh, Alex is currently up in the air right now, but everything Alex threw, everything that came out of Jordan Hicks' hand, take one pitch from another guy in that bullpen and add it to your arsenal. What are you adding? probably Hicks's sinker. I feel like if I could throw 103 with, you know, hop at the top of the zone and 103 with 20 inches of run, like I probably wouldn't throw anything but fastballs, you know? <laughs> that makes sense. So, so you're taking Hicks's fastball. What about, uh, are you taking Hennessy's off speed, Gallegos, maybe that command? What else are you taking? Hmm. I, I would probably take Reyes' changeup. His changeup is really gross. I know when he first broke into the league, he had tons of success with it back in, I think, 16. And, you know, guys just couldn't touch it. And, you know, I, th I think his changeup, um, probably some of Gio's command, he, he's really good in the zone. He walks hardly anybody. And, you know, he's been one of the best relievers in baseball for four-plus years now. Yeah. I remember um, I'm a Yankee fan, uh, and we traded Luke Voigt for Gallegos and Shreve. And I uh, was really excited to see Luke Voigt, you know, lead the league of homers in that COVID-shortened season. But then Gallegos has legit been one of the best relievers in baseball. So that trade kind of ended up working out for both sides. But now that Gallegos has been a Cardinal for a while and Voigt takes yeah. out of the Yankees, like maybe that trade kind of ended up working better for the Cardinals because Gallegos is dirty. Um, I have one more question for you before we get to like some rapid fire. It's more fun. Um, it's, you know, putting you to the test a little bit. I have a question. So you throw 104.2. Jordan Hicks throws 104 probably at some points. Do you guys ever get into a competition like in the bullpen where you're like, I'm feel my arm's feeling good today. Jordan, is your arm feeling good? Let's let's try and get 105 today. Do you guys ever do that? Yeah, have some playful banter. Never anything about like, yo, I'm about to let it eat today or anything like that. But uh, you know, early on in the year, I think I was the highest pitch and then he was hurt for a little bit and he came back and I think it was in Atlanta. He hit like one Oh four a couple of times. And, you know, he kind of gave me a little smirk. He's like, I got you again, you know, and then later in the year, I think we're in Milwaukee. I hit one Oh four point two and ended up having the fastest pitch of the year. And then, you know, I just kind of gave him the same thing. Like, yeah, I got you, you know, and, but I mean, he, he still got the title of the fastest one. So he, he still got that over me. 
I remember I, watching you guys in the bullpen and just thinking to myself, I would never want to pimp a home run against the Cardinals <laughs> and have them possibly throw it at me. That would be a nightmare, Jack. No, terrible. I've got one more serious question before we get to like the fun rapid fire stuff. Um, I feel like the conversation that so many baseball fans have now when it comes to development is Rays, Guardians, Dodgers. I feel like the Cardinals and the Astros are the two that nobody's talking about anymore because we've talked about them for so long. So without giving away like state secrets or, you know, anything you guys do that's cutting edge, what has made the St. Louis Cardinals so good at developing players over the couple over the years that you've been in the organization? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I think having guys, you know, like Wayno, who's been around for so long, you know, and having the kind of credit that he does, you know, he spends a lot of time with. I can remember my first spring training when I came up in eighteen, and even guys, you know, who just come up for the day, you know, like I'm telling you, this guy is an unbelievable human. You can go talk to him about anything, you know. I think always having guys like him, you know, they're leaders in the clubhouse. So you know, you have guys like Jack and Alex, you know, who have off the chart stuff, you know, they see Wayno talking to, you know, guys who are on the big league camp side, you know, it kind of, it kind of runs into them too. You know, I think it's just kind of the mentality and, you know, kind of the love that we share that, you know, for, you know, the Cardinals and, you know, they kind of feed into that next generation of guys. And I think that's kind of a big thing, you know, is, you know, with our clubhouse, everybody wants to give back and kind of, you know, help the next wave. Wayno seems like the one player. I mean, there's obviously others, but then you had Pujols last year and Yachty. Like these guys, when you look at the fan graphs and you look at the ERA, you look at the peripherals, like there are few players who I feel have a bigger impact on the locker room. And then you had three of them. <laughs> you had Pujols, Wayno, and Yachty. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up coaching in a few years because Cardinals front office is like, we can't lose these guys, right? Right. I mean, this year was literally a dream, you know, it's like a movie script. You couldn't have wrote it any better as a teammate of those three guys, you know, like Hollywood. I don't know if they could have wrote a better script of the way Albert played the second half, you know, and Wayno still had a great year, you know, at 41, you know, low three ERA and pitched 180 innings. Like what more could you ask of the guy, you know? And, good. He was really good. Yeah. Are you allowed okay. to, are you allowed to say anything to Albert when he's on like that post all-star heater or no? Yeah, yeah. Albert, I'm, I'm telling you, Albert, Yachty, and Wayno, the three coolest guys ever. You could you could talk to him at any point in time. He might be up there at that bat. You ask him a question, he'd probably answer. <laughs> Dang. That's how nice of guys they are, you know, but they're also freaks of nature because they can lock it in just like that, you know, and just turn it off and on. And um, But, yeah, Pujols, that run he was on, man, that was so fun to be a part of. Crazy. We were at the home run derby. He was, like, winning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 58 years old, dude. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> I was sitting there on deck, you know, and I forgot who he was hitting against, but he's like, man, my, his forearm started to cramp up and tighten up. But I remember talking to him later and he was like, I think if I didn't tighten up, I would have had a real shot. Cause I mean, you should see this guy's BP at home too, man. He's flipping him into upper deck and big Mac playing like it's nothing still. I'm like, he probably would have won it if he didn't get hurt. I, be I believe you. All right, let's get into these rapid fire questions. Uh, the first one is who has been your toughest at bat in Major League Baseball so far? All right, I got I got three guys. I actually thought about this the other day. So two of them are from the Reds. Uh, one's Jonathan India, and uh, oh, I feel bad. I forgot his name. Their catcher, what was his name? The guy broke. Stevenson. Stevenson? Yeah. Tyler Stevenson is that his name? Yeah, Tyler yeah. Stevenson. I think he's like four for four off of me, and then. Um, 
Nico Horner from the Cubs. He's had really good at bats off me. He's he's so tough to get out. He's even got a homer off of me and a couple singles. I'm like, dude, I cannot get these guys out. Like when they come up, I'm like, all right, I gotta find an extra level to get these dudes to get out because I felt like every time they hit the ball, it's fine in a hole. Dude, it's so funny. Like Jack and I are smiling ear to ear for those people on YouTube because like we spoke to Justin Steele and his answer was Paul Goldschmidt. We talked with Cal Quadrill and his answer was Mike Trout. And you're going in here with Tyler Tyler Stevens in India. That fires me up. That's awesome. That's sick. Yeah. He's I think he's literally four for four or five for five. You know, I think they're all singles and maybe a walk. Like I don't know what it is, but <laughs> that dude's got my number and India's got a double, a couple of singles, a walk, and like I said, Nico clipped me for a homer. So I mean, those three guys. Vision too. Ryan Helsley against the Reds is going to get killed. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> you got to watch it. Um, all right, most talented pitcher um, that you've seen. I, I know you've got to be a fan of like a bunch of other arms. Who are your favorite arms to watch in Major League Baseball? And you can't choose a Cardinal. Has to be no Cardinals. Cardinals. No Cardinals. Oh, um, I feel like this one's too obvious, but I think Degrom. You know, I know um, in the minor leagues, I would before my start days I would watch his most recent start just to kind of get those thoughts in my head and like see somebody else blowing somebody's doors off you know I would always watch his starts and Max Scherzer just because I love the way Scherzer is out there on the mound you know those two guys the way they compete and obviously they've both been dominant for a really long time and you know perhaps some of the best stuff in the game and um I would say those two putting you on the spot here top five closers of all time all time. All right. So I didn't really grow up watching baseball that much because I get a lot of flack for it in the locker room. Guys will be like, hey, do you know this guy? And I'm like, no. Do you know this? No. Like, I'm just, you so just I, throw hard. Were you yeah, a basketball guy growing up or a football guy? What were you? No. You know, so I, I grew up playing sports and I was never really like in the house. I had a twin brother and a younger brother. We were always running around, riding four wheelers, you know, hunting or, you know, just doing outside stuff. I never really grow up like watching tv a whole lot honestly so you weren't like a sam bradford demarco murray guy at oklahoma or anything like that i like sam bradford uh, he's okay. a fellow so i rooted for him for sure got you so right. do you, so was there any at least like closers that at least you somewhat remember like mariano rivera's got to be oh, up there trevor hoffman i think he ran out to hell's bells right yeah, yeah. i was gonna i was gonna mariano is one and hoffman was two um Golly, I don't even know. I got I Billy know. Wagner in my top five. Players like I, I don't. I wish I did. I probably should. We'll put you in there. Uh, we'll put Billy Wagner in there. Uh, yeah. We'll put Edwin Diaz close to there, and we'll put <laughs> yeah. and we'll put uh, Edwin Diaz. How about, how about top five closers like right now that you've seen? Yeah. All right. Um, this is in no particular order. I would say Diaz, Class A. Who else? Myself. Nice. I really, I, I think haters up there still, even though he kind of had a scuffle, he's still really elite. Um, who else do we got? I How think about Devin? I was gonna say Devin. He has class really A. He said class guy. A. Oh, he said class A. Okay. I was gonna say Presley too. Presley's been really good for a long time with the Astros. So yeah, eight. No, no Clay Holmes. Clay Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just putting it in there for my own bias. <laughs> You guys have a, a ton of talent coming up through the farm, and you've got a lot of really young talent on the big league team right now. Um, can, can you give me one guy to to really hone in on for 2023, somebody you think in St. Louis it's going to take a massive step up? And that's a two-parter because I want your answer to not be Jordan Walker, and then I want to know any type of interaction you've had with Jordan Walker. Okay, so 
I think I've only met Jordan Walker once this past year in spring training. It was just like in passing, you know, his young 18-year-old kid. So, I um, mean, yeah, from everything I've seen, I've never seen him play in person, but that guy's an absolute freak. Yeah. Um, one guy I hope to see help us is, I think, Gorman. I think Nolan Gorman has so much juice and could be a really good infielder. Um, I feel like we're kind of log jam right now, though. You have Donovan, who had a heck of a rookie year hit the ball well, played great defense, you know, just all-around great baseball player, kind of like a Tommy Edmond 2.0, if you will. Right. Um, got to play any position. Um, but I think Gorman, you know, has the chance and ability to be really great. You know, a guy flicks balls 450 and right. can play the infield anywhere too. So, um, and I think for a pitcher, I think Zach Thompson, that's, I saw, I don't know if you guys know who that is, but he uh, yeah. started through the minor leagues kind of like me, and then when he came up this year in the big leagues was mid-90s and, Saw him touch a couple of nines, you know, and has a really good feel for a curveball and a slider. So I think he's someone that could really be a big factor for us this year, too. I was calling Zach Thompson's games when he was out on the Cape in Brewster. That dude is funnier than hell, too. He's hilarious. I don't know if your interactions with him have, have kind of told you the same thing. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a great kid, man. I mean, he, he's a good guy. He's kind of a quieter guy. I mean, I think I was, everybody's quiet when you first come in the big leagues your first year. You know, you don't want to step on anybody's toes. So we'll see if he steps out of his comfort zone a little bit this year. Yeah. Who Who is someone in the locker room that fans wouldn't expect is like really loud, maybe even a little bit obnoxious or just downright hilarious? Uh, Kisner, for sure. Like all day. Andrew Kisner. That, that dude is the life of our locker room. You know, every, every locker room, every team's got one. That guy just he does and says the most off the wall stuff, you know, just to catch you out of left field and just, you know, crack you up. You know, he's always got a smile on his face. You know, you never know if he's having a bad day. He's, he's a fun teammate to have. Kind of love That's it. Awesome. It's a backup catcher, too. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's like a perfect role. <laughs> and and l- last one for me, Ryan, will first of all appreciate you coming on the Just Baseball Show. This has been awesome. But 2023. What's in it for Ryan Helsley? Like one, two, five ERA, one of the best seasons by a reliever. You were throwing 104 miles an hour. Like, what's what are you working for for 2023? No, I think for me, you know, especially after being hurt a couple of years, just you know, rattling off a couple back to back healthy seasons. You know, I think for me, it's just if I can feel good and stay healthy, you know, I think my stuff will be there. And I think for me, that's my main focus is. Um, trying to really stay on top of my health and um, just trying to be available every day. You know, I don't, I try not to look at stats, you know, but we're all human. Um, I try to just focus on the things I can control. And, uh, you know, I think that's my mindset is just uh, control the controllables this year. Love it, man. Well, we appreciate you coming on. It's been a great interview. Ryan Helsley with the St. Louis Cardinals. We cannot wait to watch you next year dominate again, light up the radar gun. Appreciate you coming on. You got to come back on maybe at the end of next season or something when you're getting ready for the playoffs. We'll interrupt it because, you know, we deserve it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Awesome. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.